purpose. Anyway, today we are wrapping up a three-part series called Deconstructing Church. And here we are, we're at a church service, we're church people, and we're talking about church. This is the churchiest thing you've ever done, the churchiest thing we've ever done. And so we're wrapping up this series today, but I wanted to give you like a recap of where we've been with this. We've talked about the things that church is not, because there's a lot of misconceptions out there about church, about what it is and what it should be and what's going on. And so we talked about what the church is not week one, and the church is not a building, You know, many churches own buildings or have property, have a facility. We're not one of those churches. We don't have a building. But the church is not a building. A church can have a building, but a church is not a building. A church is not an event, right? Church is not an event. Here we are. We're at a church event. Churches put on events. Churches have programs, but church is not an event, right? We know that, so that's what it's not. Another thing it's not. A church is not a club. It's not supposed to be a club. And when when you look at the way that Jesus talked about church and how the New Testament describes what church is, you can see that church was never supposed to be a club, and yet if we're not careful, we can slip into that club mentality with our, with our thinking. We can slip into that club mentality and start acting like church is a club. It's just a bunch of people who all have something in common. We all are cool with Jesus. We all have salvation in Jesus. We all believe Jesus is the Son of God, so we have that thing in common. We're just a club. Uh-uh. Not supposed to be a club, right? Because a club caters to the needs of its members. A club caters to the people who make up the thing. We're supposed to be about the people outside of the thing. So a church is not... A club, at least, is not supposed to be. And the church, it's not ours. The church is not ours. It belongs to Jesus. Jesus started. It was his idea. It's his thing. But he has entrusted it into our hands. And so it's not ours, but we've kind of been given this temporary ownership over this thing, which is a big deal. And then we talked about what the church is. So what is the church? Very simply, last week we talked about the fact that church is a movement, It's the movement of Jesus Christ in this world and the people who make up the movement. We are the church. The church is a movement of Jesus Christ in the world and we all have a common rock, a common foundation, a common understanding that Jesus Christ is who he said he is. He is the Son of God. He is the Savior. He is the Messiah. We all have that common understanding, that common revelation that's been revealed to us. We know that. We believe that. And beyond that, that's not the only thing we have in common. Beyond that, we're supposed to interact with each other in a certain way. We're supposed to live our lives in a certain way. So we have this core. We have this center. We have this rock in what we believe. And then we have a way that we are to conduct ourselves. And how is that? To love one another. To take care of each other. To support one another. Yes, to support each other within the church, within this community, within the movement, also those outside of the movement who are not yet part of the movement. Not yet. And so we take care of each other. And in fact, we looked at Christ's prayer for the church last week. We talked about Christ's prayer for the church and his prayers that we would all be one, that we would be united, taking care of each other, loving each other, supporting each other. Wonderful. So we've got that common foundation. We believe that Jesus is who he says he is. We have a way that we're supposed to live and love each other. That's our thing. But we also have, and this is very important, you can't miss this. If you miss this, you've missed everything. We have a mission to engage in. And it's the same mission that Jesus gave to his first followers, and the mission is to make disciples. Yes, that means sharing the gospel message, the gospel that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, and anyone who accepts that gift will receive eternal life and forgiveness for their sins. Boom, yes. We have to share that message. That's part of the disciple-making process, but that's just part. Then we have to go on and teach people all the other stuff that Jesus taught, how to treat one another, how to love one another, how to interact with your your fellow human beings. And so that's the mission. We've got a core. We've got a common belief. We've got a way we're supposed to live, and we have a mission. That's what makes us a movement. 
We are the movement of Jesus Christ in the world, and we, the members of Hope Community Church, we are the movement of Jesus Christ right here in Ridley and Interboro. That's our geography. That's where we are, the movement. And so we know what the church isn't. We have an understanding of where the church is. And now we're going to talk about where you, as an individual, fit into this movement. You know, over the past several years, I've realized... um, that my experience with church, with the local church, my um, relationship with the local church, if you could think about it that way, um, it's not very unique. My experience with church stuff is, is very similar to, to maybe your experience with church stuff, and my story is not all that unique. Now, some of the details are particular to me, but I found through conversations, and the more I'm getting to know some of you who are members of the church, and the more I get to know people who are in our community, they have very similar stories to my own. My story with church, and I've told you this before, is I went to a church thing. I was connected to a church thing when I was a kid because I was forced to, right? Because my parents took me to a building on a Sunday morning, and we did church stuff, and we did Christian stuff. And so that's how it works when you're a kid. You remember being a kid. You know what that's like, right? You just do what your parents tell you to do because you don't have a choice, right? And so that was the thing. And so as a part of this church, I didn't really understand what was going on, right? In fact, there are kids here this morning that don't exactly know why they're here. There's probably some adults who are not exactly sure why we're here. But anyway, that's how it works when you're a kid. You go to a place, you do a thing, your parents tell you. And there was a lot of weird things that I experienced as a kid in church. Only at the time, they didn't seem weird to me because I was used to them. You know, you show up to a building and it kind of smells a little bit funny and then there's times where you sit down and there's times where you stand up and then there's times where you all chant the same thing at the same time. And you don't really notice that it's weird until you invite like a friend to come with you. You're like, oh yeah, this is weird. You kind of start seeing things from their perspective and you're like, okay, this is a little bit weird. And so, you know, you do this stuff and so, you know, growing up, growing up in the church, I had some good experiences. I mean, I met my wife at the church, so like that's worth it alone, right? You know what I mean? I know, right? That's it. I mean, all the rest of the experiences could have been bad, but I met Holly there, so it was worth it, right? So there were some good experiences, but there were some bad experiences, and so, and this is like, isn't this your story for a lot of you? This is your story, too. You grow up in a church. You have some kind of connection with the church. You have some kind of understanding of what it is. You have some good experiences. Maybe you have some fun. Maybe there are some laughs along the way, but then there are some not great experiences that we have, right? Maybe you have a little disagreement. Maybe somebody gets in your face and tells you what you're doing is wrong. That's kind of weird when that happens. That's not pleasant, right? Or you get hurt, you have your feelings hurt, or someone betrays you, or, or maybe there's people you look up to in the church and they hurt you, or maybe there's people you look up to in the church and you just see the hypocrisy and how they live. And so we, so many of us in this room have experienced these just bad church experiences. And so that was my story. I had some good experiences, had some bad experiences, and then I got to a point where I was an adult and had the freedom to make my own decisions, and I decided to, to not be a part of the church, Right? Isn't that the story for a lot of you in this room? Not everybody, but enough of you in this room had the same thing. It's like, well, I don't have to do this anymore, so I won't. And so a number of years passed by, and, and here's where the stories kind of differ, and everybody has their own unique tale of church, and, and some people don't have any experiences at church as a kid, and that's fine, that's great, and that's wonderful that you're here now, but, but my experience eventually led me back to the church. Do I have to tell you that? That's obvious, right? <laughs> I'm now reconnected to church. I'm a believer in the church. I have a, a, a greater understanding of what church is supposed to be, and that's where I am today. But so many people, if that's not your story, you know people in your life, that's their story, right? People who had some kind of understanding of church when they were young and walked away from it when they were older because they thought, well, this doesn't make sense, this is weird, this is irrelevant. You get a little bit of perspective and you realize, I'm not sure why I'm doing this thing. And so my experience with church isn't that unique, is it, right? 
we all have, so many of us have that story in common of, of kind of just trying to figure out what this thing is, and eventually, eventually you figure it out, and you connect, or you don't, and you stay away. And so that's why it's so important for us at Hope Community Church to try and do what we can to clarify what church is really supposed to be. We don't want to give people the wrong idea about church, right? This thing belongs to Jesus. It's been entrusted to us. We don't give, want to give people the wrong idea about what this thing is, what we're about, what we're supposed to do. And so that's like, that's a big task that we have as a church is to represent well Christ's intention for what this church was always supposed to be. Now, um, when you walked in today, you got a bulletin, you got a little pen. We got some updated pens. You see that? So you got a little freebie pen there. That's pretty cool, right? I thought we were going to have applause for the pens, but that's okay. We don't need to applaud pens. We don't need to applaud pens. Come on. Come on. I was asking for it there. But you also got a little membership card, and you don't have to worry about that. You can fill that out. You cannot fill that out. That's just for you if, you if you're ready to do that thing, and that's fine. But we're really focusing on where you fit into the church. What's your story up to this point? What's your story with church? Where do you fit in? Because a lot of people feel like they don't fit in. They don't have a place in the church, and the, and the church doesn't have a spot for them. Where do you fit into the church? And so let's think about all the reasons why people don't connect with the church. Why do people not connect with the church movement? Why is that? There's a lot of reasons. Here's one. Here's one reason people have for not connecting with the church. One reason. They're not Christians. A person kind of thinks, well, I'm not a Christian, so why would I connect with the church? Doesn't make sense, right? If if I don't believe what they believe, why would I connect with the church? And, I, and I, kinda, I kind of get that thinking, but if you go back to what church is supposed to be, we're not supposed to be a club for Christians. That's not what it's supposed to be, right? I mean, you look at the first church. You look at what we, you know, what we looked at at small group this past Tuesday and what I referenced last Sunday in Acts chapter 2 when, when Peter stands up and he tells this large group of, of Jewish people, he tells them the gospel, he tells them about Jesus. They weren't Christians. They weren't Christians, but they became the church. They became followers of Jesus through the church, and that's what church is supposed to be. We are supposed to be for people who aren't yet Christians. Let me take a moment to talk to the non-Christians in the room, all right? You're not sure where you are. Maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you're a theist. You believe in God. Maybe you don't. I don't know, all right? Or maybe you're getting closer to say, yeah, maybe I'm kind of a... Well, let me just talk to you for a minute. If you're not a Christian, first off, thank you for being here. Secondly, you need to know something about Hope Church, This church was created for you, for non-Christians, okay, for people who don't yet know everything, right, for people who aren't yet sure about Jesus, right? Because here's the thing, Christians, let me talk to the Christians now, right? Here's the thing, you could connect with any local church that you want to, that's it, you could, you could connect to any local church, you go to your, back to your home church, or you go to, you know, it's just a matter of your preference, you know, what are you looking for? What kind of preaching? What kind of music? What kind of facility? You can think about all that stuff, right? Christians can connect anywhere. This church is supposed to be dedicated for people who don't yet know all the stuff, right? Who don't yet know all the things about the Bible, who aren't quite sure who this Jesus is. This church is for you, right? And it's always been for you, and it needs to be for you. And so, again, let me talk to the Christians in the room. Here's the thing about Hope Community Church and you know, what it means to be a member here. And, and we've been around for a few years, and, and some Christians connect with what we do, but then when we find out like, what's really involved to be a member of this church, they kind of back away and kind of step back. So you just need to know what it means to be a Christian and connected to Hope Church. It means sacrifice, right? 
Because we're not going to necessarily cater to your wants and wishes. And it's like, well, what kind of preaching do you want? What kind of we don't care about that. We're more focused on the people who don't yet know Jesus. That's, that's our thing. And the other thing about Hope Church, if you're a Christian, is we don't really have a lot of room for bench warmers here, right? I mean, there's a thing where you're new to a church and you're kind of checking it out, but, but, but eventually you have to engage. You have to participate, right? You have to move from being an audience member to being a participant in what we're actually doing. You're going to have to engage in some relationships with other people in this church. So eventually, and I don't know when that is. Like, it's not, it doesn't make sense to show up your first Sunday and be like, okay, I want to be a member and I'm going to do this, that, this, that. And like, and that has happened to a few people, which is weird and awesome, right? But it takes time. But eventually, Christians, you do have to make a decision. Am I going to engage and be a part of this? Am I going to help advance the mission of this church, or is this not what I'm looking for? Do I just want to go to somewhere where I can be fed and catered to, right? Oh, boy, we Christians, man. <laughs> I want to get fed. Oh. Have you ever heard a Christian complain about that? I need to be fed, I need to be fed, and that preacher's not feeding me. Oh. <laughs> like you can't get fed somewhere else? Get fed. You know that terminology? It means they want someone to teach them the Bible, Right? And that's a real thing. Listen, I, don't, I shouldn't make fun. I'm naughty. I shouldn't make fun. It's a real thing. Yes, we do need to be taught the word. Absolutely. We do need to be fed the word. Absolutely. But there's more to being a church than just getting fed, getting fed, getting fed, getting fed. We need to act. If we're just taking in and not giving, not receiving, we, just, we, we go septic, right? We get spoiled. We go bad. And so, yes, that's legitimate. Being fat is part of the deal, but it's not the whole deal. And if we're fixated on that, we're just consumers. Ugh. That consumer mentality when it comes to church. No, 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 no. This is a movement. You can't have a consumer mentality, right? We talk about the civil rights movement. No one joined that because they were consumers. I want a product. That, no, that's not it. That's not it. And so, Christians, you've been warned, okay? <laughs> I mean, that's what it means to be a part of Hope Community Church, right? Now, I know, I, I, listen, there's a lot of parables that Jesus taught, and one of the more famous ones, perhaps you've heard of this, is that parable, the lost sheep. Have you heard about this? And it's about a shepherd who has 100 sheep, and 99 are safe, and the one gets away, right? And Jesus talks about the shepherd goes after the one that's lost. Well, that's kind of, that, I shouldn't say kind of, that's the mentality that we need to have as a church is we're after the ones that are lost, not the ones that are saved already, Okay? After sounds, we're after you. No, not like that. You know what I mean? That's our, that's our, our priority. That's our focus, right? I almost said priority. It's like a focus, priority, combined words. I make up a lot of words when I'm preaching. Did you notice that? Anyway, but that's our priority, is to share the good news with people who don't yet know it. And those of us who already know it, we have to take an active role in sharing it with other people. Boom. That's it. That's it. And so back to the reasons why people don't connect with church. Okay. What about Christians, Right? What about people that will go around and, and call themselves a Christian and say, yeah, I know the gospel, I'm saved by Jesus Christ, but I just don't feel like I need to connect with the church? Because there are plenty of those. There are a lot of people like that who see themselves as Christians, who identify themselves as Christians, but don't see it necessary that they belong to a church. Well, why not? Well, for one reason, because they've had bad church experiences, right? And so there are plenty of Christians who have that bad experience, or maybe they're hurt, right? Maybe they're offended, or maybe it's a legitimate thing where a fellow church member walked up to him and said, I've got some concerns about how you're living your life. And maybe that person was right, but it still was offensive, and so they walk away from the whole church thing, right? Right? Or maybe it's an issue of burnout. Oh, that's a real thing. 
I mean, sometimes we Christians, we get engaged with the church and we're just constantly serving and constantly serving and constantly giving and constantly giving. You sign up for this and you can, oh, we just get burned out and Christians walk away from the church because they had a bad kind of experience. Or you see the hypocrisy in the church. You get to know the pastor a little bit. You get to know the leaders a little bit and you find, hey, these are human beings just like me and they're flawed just like me. And for some reason that could turn people off to church. And so are there all these reasons that Christians give themselves for not connecting with the church? But there are more than that. There's other reasons. I mean, sometimes it's an issue of like fear, right? Because the kind of church that we read about in the New Testament, that's like a thing where people are actually in each other's lives and know each other's business, right? Like have genuine relationships with their fellow church members. There can be a fear there. That makes sense. There's a fear there, the fear of vulnerability, the fear of, well, if, if I was honest with the other people, maybe not every single person in the church, I mean, come on, but if I was at a small group setting or with a few members of the church and actually told them what I'm struggling with, would I be accepted? I mean, that's a legit fear that people have. And you need to know this about Hope Community Church. We are a church filled with human beings, right? We just can't eliminate the human factor here, and we're all struggling with things. I'm struggling with things. Our leaders struggle with things. Ain't nobody here got it all figured out, right? You don't need to play pretender, but that's a legitimate fear that people have. And sometimes it's a pride thing that keeps us from making a real connection with a local church. It's a pride issue. I mean, this was my thing in my mid-20s, baby. I mean, I went to Bible college. I went to PBU, and I would go into church says, be like, that pastor's wrong about that, wrong about that, wrong about that. Nope, nope, they're doing this all wrong. See ya. Come on. Right? It's a pride thing. I really know better than all these experienced people. You know what I mean? And that was what I thought. I wouldn't express it like that. It was more like a subconscious thing. But that was my problem. It was a pride thing that kept me from connecting with church, where I just thought I knew better. There's another reason why Christians don't connect with the church. If you're not connected to a church, if you're trying to do this whole like isolation thing and just be a Christian on your own, then there's no accountability. Then you have the freedom to kind of define Christianity any way you want, right? Because there's nobody in your life, there's no fellow church members, there's no church leaders, there's no elders, there's no deacons, there's no board members, there's no pastors saying, uh-uh, you got that a little bit wrong. Do you know people like that? Right? Enough of us do. Kind of out there on their own. I'm going to be in my own little Christian island. I'm going to find Christianity, and I'm going to tweak it as I see. Nope, 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 nope. You know, there's this passage in Hebrews 13. It's kind of a challenging thing. It's the part where um, the writer is saying, hey, you've got to submit to your pastors and your church leaders, right? Do you know that passage? We don't talk about that a lot. <laughs> submit to your leaders in the church, but really, if you read that whole passage, it's about the fact that you need to have confidence in your church leaders, and that takes time. It takes time to develop that trust. It would be ridiculous to go into a church setting and just say, well, I'm just going to submit to the leaders of this church. I don't know them yet. No, that doesn't make sense. No. You take time to get to know the leaders of the church, to get to know the pastor, to get to know what's happening. And when you've developed that trust, then you can put yourself under that authority. That takes time. A lot of Christians don't want to do that. You know, and the way that the writer of Hebrews puts it out there is basically, this is a gift that Christ has given to you. You've been given people to help you live this out. That's the way, that's the real point of that passage, by the way, in Hebrews 13. That you've been given people to help you along your way, but we would rather, so many Christians would rather just say, no, I'm, I'm going to figure this out on my own. I'm not going to put myself under somebody else's authority, accountability. Woo-hoo! I'm not doing that, right? I'm looking at your faces. Plenty of you don't want to do that, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> I get it. I get it. 
But you know what? Christ has given us, I've got a pastor, Christ has given us people in our lives to help us along the way. That's a gift. It's not a burden. And so there is this thing. There's so many reasons why, why Christians feel like we can do this on our own. But the fact is we cannot live out Christianity in isolation. It does not work. I've tried it. Some of you have tried it too. Doesn't work. You can't do it on your own. You can't do it on your own. Now, people try to piecemeal their Christian experience together. They say, well, I can listen to teachings on the radio, or I can go online, or I can go to podcasts, and that's where I can get, my, you know, get fed and get fed that way, and I can listen to worship music, and I can find ways. It's, it doesn't work. It's not the same. Where are you serving, and where are you being served if you're not part of a church? Where are you serving, and how are you being served? Well, I'm doing my own little thing, and I'm doing my own little service things here and there, and you know, that's great. But what happens when it becomes bigger than you can take on as an individual? Who do you go to? You don't have a church to pull into that. I mean, it's wonderful. I see so many of you who have taken on your little project, little things that you're doing, and you should. That's great. But when it gets too big for one person, what do you do? You've got us to go to. You say, okay, I've taken on this thing. I need some help. I need some, and we've got to make this bigger, and we're here to help. And where are you being served? If you're out there by yourself, kind of floating around trying to do your own Christian thing, and I don't need a community because I'm not going to submit to anybody's authority because I know the Bible better than everybody else. I'm just going to do my... What happens? What happens when you need to be served? What happens when you need to get married or get buried? I mean, let's be honest, right? Who's your church? What happens when you're sick and you need people to, to meet the needs in your life? Or a family member's going through something difficult, or you're going through the end of... Like, who's going to be there for you? Who's going to be... Be in isolation by yourself? You know, we've got this thing. If you've been a part of Hope for a while, you've heard about it. This um, community support team, right? And so Joy leads that. You're a part of that. I'm not really part of it, but it's something awesome that you guys do. Awesome. What did I say that? Awesome that you guys do. What was that accent? It's wonderful. I'm so glad that you've taken that initiative, and it started as a very just like, what do you want to call it? Grassroots, organic. You know, you just made it happen. We've got a little bit of structure around it now. And it's great. And you're out there and you're supporting. We support each other within the church and we support people out in the community, right? That's how it works. But some of the people we support out there in the community, we find out they're sick, we're going through a tough time. Some of the people that we're providing meals for, they've got their own church. And in some cases, that church dropped the ball. We'll pick it up. I don't mind. We'll absolutely pick up that ball. That's fine. Well, you've got your own church. You should go. No. We'll, we'll, make, we'll pick up the slack if that's what it takes, if it means doing what Jesus told us to do and loving other people. But see, that's part of the problem with the church. If we're going to be a church, we actually have to be this kind of New Testament church and take care of each other. We will gladly pick up the slack. Gladly. With no expectations. Well, if we're going to serve your needs, you better forget that church and connect with us. No! We don't need that. Let's just do what Jesus told us to do and trust him with the results. Boom. That's what we're supposed to do. And so, yes, yes, we come up with so many reasons why we don't want to connect with the church, why we don't want to be a member of a local church. But, but really, if we're going to live out our faith the way that Jesus commands us to live out our faith, we need to have a connection with a local church. Let me show you why. Take a look at your scripture passage that's in your bulletin. And if you have a Bible with you, we're going to look beyond just this passage. We're going to look up what happens next. That's not where the story ends. Sarah read this passage for us, but there's more that happens. So we're in Luke chapter 5, starting with verse 17. And this, this is in the book of Luke. This is the, one of the Gospels. This is one of the biographies of Jesus. This is before the church. This is the prequel 
to the church, all right? The church launches in the book of Acts, becomes a thing then, but this is the prequel. And so much of what Jesus does, he's setting the stage for for church, what that movement will look like, what that movement should be. He's setting the stage for that. He's showing us what it will be. And so look what happens in this passage. Luke 5, verse 17. One day Jesus is teaching, and the Pharisees and the teachers of the laws were, were sitting there. Okay, So at this point in his ministry... Um, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they were still open to the possibility that this Jesus guy was the real deal, that he was a real teacher, a real prophet, perhaps even a Messiah. I don't know. We'll see. But they were hearing him out. They hadn't made their decision that this guy, uh, they were still listening to him. So he had people sitting there. <clears throat> they had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Okay, that's a physical, tangible thing that Jesus was doing. He wasn't just speaking the words, let me tell you about God, let me tell you about God's love, let me tell you about... He was helping people as he was uniquely able to do, right? And so, verse 18, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. And what happens? They get to the door, it's crowded, of course it's crowded, Right? There's so many people who were sick who needed to be healed. There were probably people in the room that wanted to hear the teachings that came along with this healing power. It was a crowded space. And so they turned around and they gave up, and that's the end of it. No, that's not what happens. Verse 19, when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up to the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles in the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. My goodness, right? We've had our share of awkward church moments at Hope Community Church, right? It's kind of like our signature to have something awkward happen just about every Sunday. But imagine this. There is Jesus, the Son of God, giving his teaching. You know, people are lined up to get their miracle, or I don't know what it was like. And then somebody just opens the roof, and here comes a guy coming there. Like, oh, hello. I guess we're dealing with this now, right? And so he, he comes through the roof, and what does Jesus say? Let's, let's continue on here. Right in front of you, verse 20. When Jesus saw their faith, they, them, their faith, he said, friend, oh, that's fun to be called friend by Jesus. Friend, your sins are forgiven, which is exactly what he was there for, right? He was there to get healed. He was paralyzed. Can you, can you fix my legs, Jesus? But there's so much going on. Let me, let me continue reading so you see what happens next, because the story doesn't end there, right? Here's what happens next. <clears throat> Verse 21. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law begin thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now, that second statement, that second question was correct. Who can forgive sins but God alone? No one. Only God can. Of course, Jesus is God, and so that's how he can. And so they were thinking these things to themselves. It doesn't even say they were like whispering, hey, who is this guy? This is blasphemy. It says they were just thinking these things to themselves. And Jesus, being God, knowing all things, speaks to what they're thinking. That's, that's got to be a, oh, man, a weird, tense, uncomfortable moment when Jesus knows what you're thinking. Verse 22, Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Ooh. And he throws this, oh man, he throws this question out there. Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? Which is easier? Uh, uh, you know, you can just say your sins are forgiven, and it's not true, and nobody can tell one way or the other, right? So I guess that's kind of easy, right? But to actually say, get up and walk, I mean, that you'd have to have proof for, sure. 
But at the same time, to say your sins are forgiven means that you've got the, does that mean you have the power? Ooh, it's a tough question. And it went, it went unanswered. Verse 24, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. And everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Here's what happened. We've got a paralyzed man who needs to be healed. He can't get himself to Jesus. It's not an option. He didn't have a little scooter. They didn't have a wheelchair. He had a mat. That's what they had. That was the healthcare type of equipment they had back. He had a mat he was laying on, but he wasn't alone. He wasn't in isolation. He had people in his life that cared about him and wanted him to see Jesus. We got to get this guy to Jesus. Now, if he was on his own, there's no hope. What are you going to do? He needed other people in his life to take him to Jesus. Is this connecting, right? He needed other people in his life to connect him to Jesus. And so they picked up the mat, and they took him to Jesus. And they didn't give up on him. And they didn't give up on the miracle. So we're going to make this happen. Let's get to the roof. Have you ever done this? Have you ever climbed up on a roof and tried to carry a paralyzed? Do you think this was easy? This was this, they worked for this guy because they wanted to get this guy in front of Jesus. They wanted to get this guy in front of Jesus. And so they did what they had to do, and they opened up the tiles on the roof, and they lower them down, and Jesus saw their faith and says, your sins are forgiven. And here's the thing, is like, that's not what he was there for. He was there to get his legs fixed. He wanted to walk again, but he got, he got that, but he got something better than that. I mean, yes, that immediate need was taken care of, but more importantly, the spiritual, eternal need was taken care of. He met Jesus that day and had that immediate need met, but also had the bigger underlying spiritual need met, and it would not have happened on his own. Here's why you need to connect to a church, Christians. Here's why you need to connect, because sometimes you're going to be needed to pick up, the nat, pick up the mat and carry somebody else. You're going to need to serve. You're going to need to get in there and carry somebody and bring them to Jesus so they can be healed, so they can receive eternal life. That's your job as part of the church. And then there are other times where you're going to be the one on the mat and you need people to support you and take care of you and maybe not literally carry you on a mat, probably not literally put you through a hole in the roof, right? Probably not. I don't see that happening for you. But you're going to need people in your life, brothers, sisters in the faith, who can take care of you when you are unable to take care of yourself. How challenging is that for so many of you in this room? We've got a lot of givers in this room, but when the givers are in a spot where it's like, I need some help, it's tough. Isn't that tougher? Isn't it more difficult to receive help? But guess what? You've got to receive sometimes. You have to, givers, all right? Where are my givers? You've got to receive, all right? There's got to be this balance when it comes to church where you're, you're giving, you're serving, but you're also receiving, and I don't know what that looks like, but that's even true for me. I receive from you all, and I give, and it's like there's got to be some kind of balance there. Some days you need to pick up the mat. Some days you need to lie down on it and be carried. That's what it means to be a part of the church, to be supported 
And it's not just talking about like a physical ailment, but like a spiritual ailment or a sickness, or you're having a relationship issue, or you're having a heartbreak, or you're having a job. Like what, to have people in your life to help you and support you, people who can bring you to Jesus when you're too weak to carry yourself. That's church. That's the point of having a membership or a connection with a local church. Now, I told you, you do have those little cards in your bulletin. And if you see yourself as a member of this church, right, and nobody's trying to push this, right, but if you see yourself as a member of this church, if you see yourself as somebody who's like, yes, I want to receive from hope, I want to receive from this congregation, I want to be supported by this congregation, but I also want to give, I also want to be a part of this movement, I also want to support this ministry, I also want to be part of this collective as we try to reach people in southern Delaware County. If you see yourself at that place, you can fill out one of those cards. And if you've already filled out one in the past, you don't have to do it again, right? And there's no pressure on this. But if you're ready to do that and make your membership official, you can do that. Fill out that card. And there is a red bucket that's tough to miss on the back table. There's a red bucket back there. Just place your membership card in that bucket. You're official, okay? People have asked over the years, do you have membership at this church? Well, yes. It's not like a class. It's not like a, it's a when you're ready. When you see yourself as part of this, you're a member, right? And so you can fill out that little card. We've got one in there already. Somebody named Bruce Wayne filled one out earlier. So we've got one already. That's great. But if you're ready to do that, you can fill that out. And that just helps us connect with you, right? So we've got your info. We know how to reach you. You know how to reach us. That's what that's all about. And so together, moving forward as a collective, what we can do, oh man, we can do what no individual can do on their own, right? We can do this together. We can share Jesus with the people who are not yet in this room. We can share Jesus with the people who are in our lives who don't yet know. We can do that. But you, here's the beautiful thing, you're not on your own. You've got backup. You've got a church filled with people who are ready to back you up in your ministry as you engage with the people in your life. Isn't that great? Isn't that what it should be? And so let's live in. I keep saying this throughout this series. Let's live into our unique calling as a church. Let's be the movement of Jesus Christ in our community in the hope that more and more people will find salvation in Jesus. Let's pray on that. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. And and Jesus, we thank you for your church. Father God, I'm thankful for the church experiences that I've had. And I thank you for the the, the countless number of people who have mentored me and spoken your truths into my life. And and Father God, we want to be a community of people. We want to be a church where we are speaking truth into each other's lives. We want to be a church where we are taking care of one another, loving one another, supporting one another. We want to be the kind of church that when outsiders look at us, they want in. They want to experience this level of community and support. Father God, we pray for the lost sheep in our lives, the lost sheep in our community. We pray for the people who don't yet know you as Savior Jesus. Here we are. We're here. You have full permission to use us as your instruments in sharing the gospel, in making disciples right here in this community. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.